Welcome to Sunday Unschooled, a podcast where we address questions and discuss topics you may not hear in church. Our goal is not to bash a religion, denomination, church, or pastor, but to help educate people no matter where you are in your faith journey. We are your hosts, Elena and Eric. We'll be the first to admit we definitely don't know it all, but we truly believe the answers are found in the Bible. What's up, everybody? I hope you had a great week, and I am extremely excited about this week's episode. If you saw the title, we are going to be discussing a big, fat, giant elephant that is in the room, and you might be asking yourself, well, what is it? Are you curious? I hope so. Um, Eric is actually not with us today. I am holding down the fort, and I have a very special guest that I'm going to be introducing in just a few seconds, but the topic that we are going to be talking about today I think is extremely important to talk about, and it's really not. It's really not, and so I think, this is my personal opinion, um, but I think that this topic is the reason why a lot of churches are so messed up. It's the reason why a lot of people get offended so easily. It is the reason why a lot of us might think we're crazy. It's the reason why we have so many issues and we just feel stuck in this cycle of feeling trapped in our emotions it's a big, fat, giant elephant in the room. And the issue and the topic that I want us to talk about today is not sin. Did you think I was going to say sin? Because that's a Sunday school answer. And this is Sunday unschooled. It's not sin. The topic today is trauma. Whoa, that's a heavy word. Maybe you throw that word around a lot. Maybe you don't, but I think that it is something that I felt like we needed to shine the spotlight on today to figure out what is trauma. Let's define it, first of all, and what happens to us when we go through trauma, and is there any hope for us? What does the Bible say about it, if anything? So I was um, thinking about this episode and wanting to do it so bad. And the guest that we have today is someone that I have known literally my entire life because it is my mom. Woohoo! <laughs> um, her name is Allison, for those of you who don't know her. And she is actually a trauma resolution therapist. Sounds fancy, huh? Well, it is. But she has a lot of knowledge on trauma, and it's what she spends a lot of her time doing is helping people resolve their trauma. And so it was kind of a no-brainer when I was thinking about this episode to have her come and share her expertise with us. So um, her and my dad have had a ministry for a long time, they have been taking p 
people on international mission trips since 1999 and they go all over the world. I think the last couple years they've gone to a different country every month and taking people um, literally everywhere. And we also, their ministry does Selah retreats and Eric and I are heavily involved with those. A lot of you listening to these podcasts have come to a Selah retreat and that is a time just to get away with God. It's a Thursday night through Sunday morning and it is a life-changing three days. It's just amazing what God does in that weekend. And also her and my dad do trauma resolution therapy. So I just want her to say hello. And I'm going to just start it off with a question of what is trauma? Awesome. Well, it's so good to be with y'all and Lena. Thank y'all for having me on your podcast. Of course. Pretty cool. Uh, Trauma is anything that has happened to us that compromises our values or our belief systems and causes us pain. And pain is always attached to loss. And what we're finding out through scientific research is that many of our current struggles today, such as depression, anxiety, addiction, fits of rage, a lot of these current struggles that we're going through are rooted in past trauma. So trauma actually stimulates the physical brain, especially when we go through trauma from the ages of zero to 10 years old, when our brain is developing at its most rapid pace and a trauma occurs, it actually interrupts brain development. And so we really have discovered through scientific research that when the brain is stimulated, neurons can be destroyed and the brain can actually shift. So it's very important for us to identify trauma, to resolve it, and when we do, the physical brain is actually healed. What? That is so crazy and cool. Can you define trauma one more time? Yes, it's anything that's ever happened to us that compromises our values or our belief system and it causes us pain and loss. And I love that that definition is so broad Because all of us are different people. We have different personalities. We're just different. And so something could compromise me and cause me pain and loss that wouldn't cause you pain and loss, that wouldn't necessarily be traumatic to you. So I love that it's not this so specific thing that only a few people might experience because that definition, I would probably say that all of us, if you are a human being and have breath in your lungs, you have experienced trauma. Absolutely, I agree. And the thing about trauma, I love what Dr. Denise Colson says. She says, it's not your fault, but it is your problem. Mm, Mic drop. Yeah, so we've got to do something. When our brain goes through trauma, whether it's physical or psychological, 
The brain does not differentiate. It just feels pain and it demands a response. And you know, when we fall down and break our arm and a bone is sticking out of the arm, our brain says, do something. So we know what to do. We go to the hospital and we have to go through a lot of pain to get that pain relieved because they've got to reset the bone. They've got to put a cast on. We have to wear that cast for a period of time. We get that cast removed. We may have to go to rehab. All of those things are painful. But in the end, that pain actually heals the original pain as if it were never there. And the same exact thing is true of emotional or psychological pain. The brain says, do something, but we don't really know what to do. So our natural instinct is to suppress our pain, to press it down as deep as we can until we just don't feel it anymore. The problem is the pain is still there and it still impacts our life today, even if it happened 50 or 60 years ago, we are still experiencing the ramifications of that trauma today. And people have things that they do to survive their trauma. In the counseling world, we call them survivor behaviors that they will do just to survive the pain that is buried deep inside. I, I believe that's why a lot of people today are on all kinds of medications. Now, I'm not against medication, but I don't think it's our solution. Um, a lot of people are on anxiety medicine or antidepressants, and those medicines are okay for a season just to get us over a hump, but they do not alleviate the problem. They don't cure anything because you're basically trapped taking those the rest of your life. Absolutely. They don't, they don't provide a solution. It just provides a Band-Aid. Exactly. So you go to a traditional counselor and they are going to treat your symptoms. They're going to give you the medications. They're going to give you coping skills. They're going to give you strategies and behavior modification techniques. But what we do in our trauma resolution therapy is we're a source-based ministry. So therefore, we don't really deal with the symptoms. We ask the question, what has happened to you? And we actually go back to the trauma and we walk the people through until the trauma is resolved through a six-stage process. It's very powerful. And in the end, the physical brain actually is stimulated through the process and it balances itself out. And even it's been proven that new neuropathways can be formed in the brain as we resolve our past trauma. That is just incredible. That is so cool. And I think that most of us probably have believed some lies about trauma or about issues or problems that we've faced in our past. And I kind of want to share a few of those. So my mom mentioned Dr. Denise Colson, and she has a book. You can actually get it on Amazon, and I really highly recommend it. I've read the book. I've actually been trained under 
Dr. Colson as has my mom as well. And she has a book called Break Every Stinking Chain. I love that title because it sounds like something I would say. Just break every stinking chain. Like it just sounds like <laughs> something that, that I would just say. But she goes over five or six different myths that we've believed, lies that we have believed. And I kind of want to touch on, let's do three of them because I don't want to give all the book away. You need to go to Amazon and buy it and read it and sign up to go through trauma resolution yourself. But um, one of them, I think you probably know that it might not be true, but we still say it. It's a cliche term, right? Time heals all wounds. <laughs> not true. Not true. I, just based on what I said a moment ago, that it's been scientifically proven that trauma affects us even 50 to 60 years after we've been through it. In fact, I had a, a client the other day who recently lost her husband. And when she did she began to have panic attacks, anxiety attacks, thinking about the times in high school that she had been brutally violated sexually. She hadn't thought about those things in years. But once her husband passed away, all of those things came rushing back into her mind and she was, you know, being affected by them. It was probably 40 years before her husband died, that she experienced that trauma. Wow. I call that the Elsa syndrome. Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know. Yeah. But that's not right. We need to take the gloves off and deal with it. So another myth, um, another lie, is if it happened to me as a child, it doesn't really affect me now. And that kind of goes along with the time heals all wounds. But I think sometimes we probably don't even remember some of the trauma that happened to us as a child. And so we think, you know, it doesn't affect me now. I'm 30 years old. I'm 40 years old. I'm 55 years old. You know, what happened to me at two, three, four is certainly not affecting my everyday life now, that's just silly, but another lie. <laughs> yeah, it really is because you've got to remember that when we go through trauma, our brain is impacted. And so it doesn't really matter if you think about it or not. It doesn't matter if you're over it. It doesn't even matter if you've forgiven the person. If you went through trauma and your brain was impacted then you're going to have to resolve that trauma in order for your brain to be healed. Hmm, that's so good. So the last myth I want to talk about, maybe you've heard this from your church, I don't know, but when we resolve trauma, a big part of that is actually grieving. We need to grieve because as my mom said earlier, trauma is always associated with pain and loss. And so when you lose something, it's not just like, oh, oh well, moving on. You need to grieve it. You need to feel it. And so I think that a lot of times those of us who consider ourselves Christians could think that grieving 
means that I don't have enough faith. <laughs> Three strikes, you're out. That is not true at all. Now, in fact, it takes faith to grieve. It takes faith to be vulnerable and to talk about what you've been through, to tell somebody that's safe. And then to identify the loss and grieve it, that takes a lot of faith. And I just believe once it comes up and out of us, then we don't carry that pain on the inside anymore. Yeah, that's so good. So let's um, open our Bibles and see what the Bible has to say about this. I mean, the word trauma is not really found in the Bible, um, but I think that there's some really cool nuggets that the Holy Spirit has given to my mom that I want her to just share a few scriptures of. So get your notebook out and take some notes, grab your Bibles, and this is going to be good. So what does... <laughs> oh, the pressure is on. Yeah, no pressure. Woo! But does the Bible talk about trauma? Well, like you said, I don't think the word trauma is in the Bible, but we all know the verse in John 16, 33 that says, In this world you will have tribulation. That's Jesus talking, and he says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So if we're in Christ, we also are overcomers, and we can be healed of trauma. The Bible also talks about, in Ephesians 5, 27, talks about Jesus giving himself up for the church, and he did that to make us holy, and he cleansed us by the washing of the water of the word to present her, his bride, to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. When I was reading this one morning, I asked the Holy Spirit, what in the world? You want us without stain or wrinkle? What does that represent? Well, I believe that stain, some translations call it a spot, is representing sin. The things that we have done that have missed the mark, that have not been pleasing to God. Maybe we've done some willful sin, or maybe we've done sin out of ignorance. But either way, it's sin. And Jesus, when he comes back, he wants to come back for a bride without any sin. Well, we know what we need to do to become that bride. We need to appropriate the grace of God and the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us from all sin. And then it goes on to talk about a wrinkle. And I asked the Lord what that meant. And it reminded me of a bump in the road. You know, you're just living your life, minding your own business. And then all of a sudden, there's a bump in the road. Or, in other words, it could represent trauma, something that is done to us that's out of our control, and it causes us pain and loss. That's so good. I love that analogy. And he wants a bride that is without those things. So to me, that tells me that it's important to resolve our trauma. Yeah, it, it implies that there is something we can do about it. Yeah. Jesus isn't going to come back for a bride without stain or wrinkle and provide the cross 
um, that takes away both of those things, stains and wrinkles, praise God. Mm. So obviously if trauma, the word trauma is not in the Bible, then certainly trauma resolution therapy is not mentioned in the Bible anywhere. (laughs) But I would guess that counseling. Oh, yeah, it is. Counseling is mentioned. In fact, King David had a counselor. His name was Ahithophel, and you can read about him in 2 Samuel 16. I absolutely love what it says about him. In verse 23, it says, Now in those days, the advice Ahithophel gave was like one who inquires of God. That was how both David and Absalom regarded all of Ahithophel's advice. Ahithophel. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on Ahithophel. (laughs) I don't think I have either. But he actually joined with Absalom to conspire against King David. So David prayed for Ahithophel and he said, Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. So here we see a big contrast We see Ahithophel was a counselor who inquired of God, and then David prayed that God would turn his counsel into foolishness. And so we see a contrast of godly counsel and foolish counsel. That'd be something interesting to brainstorm. Mm. So that, to me, tells me that I really need to be careful who I go to for counsel. Yeah, Even Christian counseling sometimes isn't really Christian. I mean, they just put the name on there. But a Christian counselor, to me, is one who inquires of God for their clients. A Christian counselor is one who prays over each session at the beginning and the end. A Christian counselor actually prays for their clients in between the sessions. So it's hard to find counselors like that. But... We see Ahithophel, um, actually, it says that he was a counselor and not a confidant. In fact, David had a confidant in Hushai and a counselor in Ahithophel. So it kind of makes you wonder, because both a confidant and a counselor, we share our private matters with. And The Bible talks about a counselor is one who gives advice with direction. A confidant is one who gives advice with subjection, actually based on their own experiences. So we really need to find godly counselors in this day and age. And you know, counseling is becoming more popular. It used to be something people did in secret where they wouldn't tell anyone that they were going to counseling. And nowadays, people are asking, hey, have you been to counseling yet? You know, we really want to get healed and whole in these last days because Jesus is returning for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Right, and I think that it's interesting because... Not all of us are counselors. That takes training. That takes, you know, a level, a certain level of education. And that is pretty much a um, a job, a career path. But I would say that almost all of us, if you have a friend, you're probably a confidant. 
And so I think that especially in the church, number one, because of this big fat giant elephant in the room of trauma, and most of us probably have not deal, dealt with our own trauma, um, we're probably not the best confidants we can be for other people. And I think there's four levels um, of emotion, I guess, or I don't even know the right word, but there's four ways that we could treat other people who do share with us some of their issues, maybe even their trauma. And those four things are we can have pity on them. We can have sympathy towards them. We can have empathy towards them. Or we can have compassion towards them. Oh, that's good. And so, I know, right? (laughs) Um, Eric's not the only teacher in the family. (laughs) Um, But I would say that pity is pretty much the lowest level. I mean, you're feeling something. It's not like you're just completely ignoring the person and their pain and, and what they've, they're telling you, but you pretty much just acknowledge it. You acknowledge their suffering and you say something like, Oh, I'm so sorry for you. I'm just so sorry for you. Um, then hopefully we can move to sympathy and sympathy actually cares about the suffering And it might say something like, oh, I feel for you. Oh, I feel so bad that that happened to you. I just feel, oh, I feel so, so sorry about that. And you may want to fix it. Right. Do something like, here, you want a sandwich? (laughs) Right. Or, yeah, that, I mean, I guess eating always can make things better. (laughs) But, um, yeah, or sympathizing of like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry you went through that. You know, I went through this and you kind of take the spotlight from them. You kind of steal their thunder a little bit and we try to like one up each other, you know, don't pretend like you've never done that. We've, we all have a little Karen inside of us, right? Um, then hopefully from sympathy, we can move to empathy and that is not just acknowledging their suffering, not just caring about it, but feeling it. Mm. feeling it with them. And so that it says, I feel with you. And Brene Brown has an awesome YouTube video. Obviously, this is a podcast, so we can't share video. But I would just encourage you to go to YouTube and look up Brene Brown's video on sympathy versus empathy. Yeah, it's just it's a couple minutes long, but it it's really, really good. And it shows um, this one character down in a pit. And sympathy is up at the top just saying, oh, it looks really dark down there. I'm really sorry you're down there. I hope you get out okay. But empathy actually climbs down into the pit with the person and sits with them and feels their pain with them. And oh my goodness, if the church, if us as just humanity could move from ignoring to pity, to sympathy, to empathy, and sit with people in their mess and their grief and their issues and their trauma. Oh my goodness. I think the the world could change. You know, not even in church, but just parent to child. You know, a child comes home from school and tells their parents something that happened. Maybe they were bullied as a parent. 
we, we want to listen to that child. And if we act in sympathy and we want to fix it and we start, you know, doing whatever we can to fix it, sympathy actually drives disconnection. But if we just listen to our child and say, wow, what did that make you feel? And the kid says, I was embarrassed. I felt betrayed. I felt so horrible. And then for the parent to get in touch with something on the inside of them when they felt horrible about something. And they could actually say to their child, you know what? I would have felt horrible too. That's empathizing. And it's not fixing anything. It's just feeling it with them. And empathy drives connection. Mm, that's so good. A little parenting nugget. That's for free. That was good. So, um, and then compassion, you know, that is, that is moving to doing something. I want to relieve your suffering. That is moved by action. It says, I am moved by you. And I think those four levels, again, not even as just a church, but just as humanity, if we can just move as close as we can from ignoring things to pity to sympathy to empathy to compassion wow it would just it would it's a game changer yeah, i think i agree it's awesome so to kind of wrap this up um i would just say we've talked a lot about trauma what it does to our brain why we need to resolve it what the bible says about it and I just want to end with, okay, now what? Like, okay, great, you've you've talked about it. I'm pretty convinced I need to deal with my trauma. It's like, how can you please like share with me some <laughs> practical things? So, well, we want to uh, take care of that elephant in the room. We want to eat it one bite at a time. So it is just simply a matter of opening the filing cabinet of your brain. In the prefrontal cortex of your brain, that is where all of your memory is stored. And so we open that filing cabinet, so to speak, and we begin to take out the files one at a time. And we take them through a six-stage process of resolution. And once you go through those six stages, you can actually take that memory that's been in the forefront of your brain. It's actually been a lens through which you view your life. But you can resolve it. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can put it into history and you can actually feel free and healed and whole as a result of resolving each bite of that elephant one at a time. Wow, that is amazing. So if we have listeners who are interested in going through that process, what should they do? Well, they could go to our website. Uh, that's crosspointministries.org. C-R-O-S-S-P-O-I-N-T-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S dot O-R-G. So glad you can spell. Thanks. Well, crosspoint is tricky because does it have an E at the end? No, does it does it, not. You know? So write that down, visit the website, and what do they do once they get there? Just sign up that they're interested in counseling, 
and then we'll reach out, we'll get in touch with you, and we'll give you more information about how we get started on, on the process of trauma resolution therapy. That is awesome. Well, thank you, Mom, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. And honestly, we could have her as a special guest in so many different episode ideas that we have. So get used to her voice because she'll probably be back. But as Eric and I were just discussing where to go from the last 11 episodes that we had that kind of built on each other, it was kind of a, a teaching that we already had planned out but now that those are done we were kind of like okay now the world is our oyster we can do whatever we want and we felt like this addressing this elephant in the room so to speak was so important because if we as a people humans <laughs> um the church if we can heal and resolve our trauma, which it's right, it's available for us. We don't have to deal with it. We don't have to carry it anymore. That it really could change everything, literally everything, everything about your entire life, your family atmosphere, your relationship atmosphere, your friends, your job. I mean, your health. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it changes everything and so there is hope there is just uh it's just I, I feel like I'm about to just explode right now just feeling so excited for listeners who could reach out and get trauma resolution therapy it's just it's it's an easy thing that we can do and I say easy but it is a process and I just encourage you to research that process and start it for yourself. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Sunday Unschooled. Be sure to subscribe, share, and if you ever have any questions, you can email us at sundayunschooled at gmail.com. We look forward to next week's episode.